Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mike Penguin Podcast. And to, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, today I find myself talking about personality traits. Um, the last episode I took a personality test. And it's uh, just because, no, re- or no reason, just, just having fun with it. And in this episode I'll discuss a model that I think is pretty accurate. I think the other test is... um. Uh, it's, it's, it's good, you know. I don't think it's completely accurate, but, you know, most personality tests I don't personally like very much because they seem uh, a little more restrictive than... It, it's hard to... The thing about personality, it's hard to, like, focus on it and put people in, like, categories and try to, you know, be like, oh, you're this or you're that, you know. Even though it's convenient, it's not always the most accurate. I think this... Uh, version or this, I guess, chart metric of measuring personality is more accurate than most. Um, if you ever heard of this model, this model is called the Ocean Model. So O is openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And those are the five personality traits. I'm going to go over those and explain them more in detail to you. The reason I like this model because it doesn't it doesn't just kind of like put you in a category you know all the traits are based on a spectrum you know the five traits are just elements of like personality that are commonly identified in most people and you can be on a scale of high or low or moderate in each trait and uh it's it's best not to think of the traits as like good or bad it's like like openness might seem like an inherently good trait or neuroticism might seem like an inherently bad one but that's not like that's not the best way to think about it. These are just uh, ways of, you know, how people are, and there's good and bad sides to each trait. Or being too high or being too low, is a balance. So, yeah. Um, so the first trait is openness, which means openness to experience. So people who are high in trait openness are usually they're usually creative, they're original thinkers, they're curious about the thing they think they don't fully understand. Being open to new experiences usually makes people more adventurous. They're probably more willing to try new foods or won't be won't be as hesitant to step outside of their comfort zone. Um people who are open <laughs> it's it seems kind of self explanatory. People who are open are just more open. Like they're they're more willing to try new things, more willing to do new things, more willing to go new places, you know. And uh, for the most part, you know, being closed off rather than open is probably a bad thing. I mean, so you know, but some people just aren't. Like, like it's not like the being closed off is like terrible, but. You know, most people would prefer, like, openness over someone who's closed off. You know, I think it's easier to talk to people who are more open. It's easier to be friends. And people who are more closed off, it's kind of like they have this barrier around them, and it's harder to get to know them, I guess. So being open is usually viewed as a positive. But there is such a thing as being too high in openness. And and actually, sometimes if you're way too high in openness, you can kind of come off as naive because... Children are pretty high in openness, but it's because they don't know anything. You know, like like really young kids, they might be like into everything. Like everything they see, like, you know, they just put stuff in their mouth, the babies. 
and it's like, you know, that's, I mean, it's cool they want to learn more, but you gotta be, you can't just be putting your mouth, just putting stuff in your mouth, like, you gotta, you gotta be a little more cautious, you can't be open to every single thing you see, you want to try everything out, you know, that kind of reminds me of that Zootopia song, uh, I don't like that one anyway, anyways, this isn't a movie review, uh, if you're willing to accept anything, you know, like some people who are too high in openness, it, it can be dangerous. Like I said, like with the babies, like they put things in their mouth, but you don't want to put everything in your mouth because something could be harmful, you know? Yeah, things like that. Things like, uh, like a lot of people who are, who get caught up in drugs are very open people because they they were just... Like I said, openness to new experiences. And it's like, well, drugs are a new experience, but should you, you know, be so open that you become addicted to drugs? Like, you know, like, oh, well, I might as well, like, I'm open to whatever. And then, then you get caught up in that. So it's good to be open, but it needs limits, like everything. So conscientiousness is the next trait. Now, the way I think, well, maybe this is the way I kind of think of a conscientious person. It's like a high school nerd. Like, they've got all their textbooks and their notebooks and their pencils and their pens. Like, they studied the night before. They're asking the teachers questions. They show up to class, like, five minutes early. You know, but it's not it's not always, like, the nerd. Like, sometimes people are, like, um, like athletes can be conscientious. Like, it, like, some people don't care much for, like, academics, but they'll be really good at sports. And they'll they'll work hard to be good at something, you know. Or it might not be sports, it might be, it can be anything. Anything that you, people, like, work hard at. Like, conscientious is, like, it's a, someone who's diligent. It doesn't have to be any specific field, but someone who's diligent. And it's a part of their personality, is a general rule. It can manifest itself, like, in the gym. People who are, like... <laughs> Sometimes people can come off as germaphobic, as they're conscientious, because they just they want everything a certain way, they want everything nice and neat, they want it organized. Another way you can look at it is like it's a uh, based on impulse control. So when we when you do things that are difficult, you know human nature is always trying to find a way. Uh, find people who are conscientious who are able to neutralize their impulses, you know. Like some like people who think things and then just do them like 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 that's probably someone who's like open, like an open person is more likely to be like someone who's like who just thinks something and then says it or does it, but a conscientious person is someone who's like well maybe I shouldn't do, it. like your your base impulse, isn't what's gonna come out of their mouth it's gonna be something different, they're gonna try and you know, filter that more often. And someone who's low in conscientiousness knows. They have to study for a test, but every time they sit down, they start to wander off. You know, they can't really focus. They end up giving up. But someone who's higher in conscientiousness will control and negate those impulses. Like the like the person who's low will think, oh, I need to go do this. I knew, you know when you get down to study and you don't really want to study because it's boring? Like you're going to end up going off doing something else. But the person who's conscientious is like, no, I need to sit here and do this because it's going to be a benefit to me or whatever they're thinking. And this is why conscientious people are known for being able to, like, adhere to a plan or, like, a regimen. They're very organized. They're very uh, scheduled in their life, usually. And that's why they like rules and boundaries and, 
it helps them minimize their impulses that could distract them from their task that they want to do. So it's almost like, uh, like it's not like they don't, it's not like they don't have just as many impulses as the average person, but they ha they have a better way of controlling them. Like I think a lot of people think, uh, like people who are like really scheduled or like strict with like a schedule or they want everything a certain way. Some people think they're kind of like snobby, but really that's that. Sometimes that that's that person's way of like controlling their own impulses. You know, it's not. It's not like they think they're better than you or whatever. That sometimes that's just their way of being like, okay, I need to keep myself in check, and these are the rules for keep myself in check. You know, like, but of course, like if someone goes up to you and tries to impose their own standards on you, then that's a problem. But some people just have a certain way. Like, it's not always like, oh, I'm better than you, so I gotta, you know, dress nicer or do whatever they do. Sometimes it's their own way of, you know, controlling themselves. Oh, the next trait is extroversion. Yeah, most people know what extroversion and introversion are, but if you don't know, extroversion usually refers to people who are more outgoing. Extroversion doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at social interaction or don't get socially anxious. It just means that you enjoy it more often than not. Introversion usually refers to people who are more reserved and less likely to engage in social interaction the introvert stereotype might be someone who's like shy and withdrawn but uh that's not always the case like this is it's purely anecdotal i'm gonna give an example but it's purely just my own experience but introverts i think usually have like a few like a select few things that they're really passionate about and people generally just aren't very receptive of those things or when they talk about those things, you know, so they're kind of, and they're also, they're kind of bored by small talk. So it's harder for them to like, almost, it's almost harder for them to like get in. Like even if like sometimes if they have interests that people just don't vibe, like, don't like very much or vibe with. And they're just like, ah, oh, well, I don't want to talk to people because they don't understand. They don't feel understood when they talk to people. Or sometimes they just they don't like uh, small talk because I've had very I've had very in depth conversations with introverts, and it's usually they just don't like the like the like the barrier to entry of a conversation is usually small talk like thing like small little things that we we get to know about each other and then eventually we get into the deeper stuff. But usually introverts sometimes want to skip that process. And stuff like that. So, because I've met a lot of introverts who become very talkative if you ask the right questions. So, in a weird way, like extroversion and introversion is like the most, I think it's like the most commonly known personality trait, but it's also like the most misunderstood because people think it's like, oh, an introvert's going to be like shy or, or they're not going to, or they're going to be this or that. And it's like, not always, like, you know, and, or they think, but they find it hard to talk to people because it's odd. Like, because people, like I said, they'll have things that they're interested about, but people don't, it's not like a mainstream thing, you know? Like, people aren't going to, they know if they talk, like, they like they know they can talk to people, but they know if they start talking about things they actually want to talk about, 
the people that are going to like leave or like not you know listen to them so if you want to bef- if you want to befriend an int- introvert honestly it's it's kind of ironic but if you want to befriend an introvert you have to listen to what that you have to listen more like you have to let them talk and then they'll eventually open up and the, and the, if you if you listen and actually are interested in what they're saying they won't seem as introverted as you once thought you know which i think i'm at that point i'm not even sure if it's introversion and it's just like i don't know i i don't know it's hard to explain but it's almost like it's not that they're they don't like talking to people but just that they don't it's not usually met with uh a positive energy so take that as you will also traits like like i said timid and shy are usually considered introversion but like timid like being timid and being shy is more is more likely neuroticism than it is introversion because introversion is about social interaction and being timid and shy is like the negative feelings you get from attempting to engage in social interaction but I'll get into neuroticism later. Um, the next trait is agreeableness. Uh, agreeableness is pretty self-explanatory. Agreeable people are agreeable. They don't like to cause trouble. They don't like to be around conflict. They'll uh, often be mediators when conflict does arise. They'll try to be like the peacemakers. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, or, the, or they'll just avoid conflict completely. Like, <laughs> if you ever... <laughs> Maybe this is just me, cause I um, I'm not afraid of conflict. But if you ever like encounter like conflict in a, like a verbal conflict with someone, and they just like sh- completely shut down, they're 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 probably high in agreeableness. Either they're high in agreeableness or neuroticism, cause either they just don't want conflict or they just can't handle it. You know, not that. I hope that isn't. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I hope that didn't come off the wrong way. But uh, agreeableness. It's like all the traits. Like it's it's good when it's not excessive. Um, people who are agreeableness is one of those traits that's also seen like, oh well, you want people to be agreeable, right? You know, but it can go too far. Like people who are too agreeable tend to be pushovers and can sometimes be manipulated into doing things they don't want simply not to offend anyone. Like that's like yeah, like they there's. They kind of open themselves up to like almost being like bullied. Like I feel like feel like I feel like a lot of like people who are high in agreeableness and like when they were younger probably got bullied more because they were more easy to manipulate by the bullies because they just they were agreeable. They weren't gonna they weren't gonna buck back or anything like that. They weren't gonna fight back. It was like oh okay well that's fine. I'll just I'll just go I'll be over here and oh whatever you, you want my okay. You know that kind of demeanor where it's like ah. Eh, you know, I just avoid conflict at all costs. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people who are, like, too dis- disagreeable. And that can usually translate to them being, like, stubborn or they t- like they take joy in being, like, a contrarian for with no cause. Uh, if you ever met someone who argues with you, like, no matter what you talk about, they're being disagreeable. Like, just for the sake of being disagreeable. Like, there's... Like, I had a cousin, I think, and... They just like like it did not matter what I said. Like I could, I could simply drink a glass of water and be like, mm, "This water is good." And they'd they'd argue on that. Like it would be like there'd be no reason. Like if we're gonna argue, at least at least have, have it make make it make sense. You know, make it make sense. 
But if some people just are too disagreeable, they just they want to debate at all times. That that's someone who's probably too disagreeable. But at the same time, disagreeable people disagreeable people can come off as more honest because they're not afraid of saying things that might hurt other people's feelings. So yeah, like I've heard I've heard someone say this once where they're like you know, maybe the bully's like a jerk or whatever, but sometimes they're right. And you know, like it's like sometimes criticism comes from places you don't want it to come from, you know? Like sometimes a bully might say something and you're kind of like, "Oh, that hurt my feelings," but sometimes they're right, you know? Not not uh <laughs> I'm not advocating for bullies at all. That's not my intention. But the point is that disagreeable people can sometimes just be people who aren't afraid to say what they really think, regardless of if people like it or not. Like the agreeable person will change the will change what they say and hide what they think in order to not, you know, cause conflict. But a disagreeable person will say whatever they want because they don't care what you think because they're disagreeable. So that is a bit of a dilemma there. It's people who are very blunt and honest tend to be more disagreeable because they're just, they're not afraid of the backlash that'll come from their honesty. Alright, next up is neuroticism. And neuroticism is uh, pretty simple. It's just, um, <clears throat> neuroticism is just having like a proclivity towards negative emotion. Like people who are neurotic tend to be more sensitive about things and get nervous fairly easily. They're just more likely to experience emotional pain. It's it's basically just like uh, people mostly think of neuroticism. They think of like sadness, but it can also be anger. It can be irritation. Uh, like neurotic, like a, like you know when you just like, like you take a nap, and someone that like abruptly wakes you up from that nap, and you're just in the worst mood. You're like, don't, whatever you're about to do, just don't, and and don't do it. And that's like a neurotic, a neurotic person, like at the max like they're just always at that level like they always just woke up from a nap and hate everything like that that that's them okay but of course it's a spectrum so it's not like every neurotic person is like turned up to 11 all the time yeah neuroticism ah uh, it's really hard to spin this one into a positive because it really is just like pretty much negativity <laughs> not that they're negative themselves just that they're very sensitive to negative things you know what i mean like like say if someone uh like if you watch a movie and then someone dies in the movie and you're like man that was sad it's like okay well i got to that was a good movie though i'm gonna go i'm gonna you know go go about my day and just you know have a good day uh, a neurotic person will, like, that could ruin their entire day. Like, because that's how, they're just that much more sensitive to negative emotion. Or, like, if you're watching a sad movie and, like, maybe you cry, like, once at the end because there was a sad scene. Uh, a neurotic person is more likely to, like, that's, they're more likely to cry, ver like, various sad parts in that movie. Because they're just more sensitive to those negative emotions. So it's not always a, a bad thing, I guess. But they're just more likely to be vulnerable to that, those type of feelings, you know. And sometimes that can be, 
sometimes that can be turned around as a good thing because then they're more they're more uh, sensitive to how other people feel. So it, it depends. Like, <laughs> although typically neurotic people are just kind of like out for themselves. Like, not not to say they're all selfish, but typically neurotic people they're they're more they're worried about their own emotional pain. That's what I'm saying. But because they're 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 uh, able to identify in their own emotional pain, sometimes that can help them uh, sympathize with others' emotional pain because they're so sensitive to it. So that can be somewhat of a good thing. Sometimes I just I try to spin that one around. Like I try to, because that's one where people think, oh, I don't want to be neurotic. But it's like, well, or they think neurotic people are just all bad and it's like uh, it's not you know there's not, none of these traits none of these traits are supposed to be like white or black good or bad it's just supposed to be traits that people have so that's the ocean model that's openness conscientiousness extroversion agreeableness and neuroticism um usually people just you can be high or low like i could be high in openness low in agreeableness even though it's probably not very likely um, yeah, I think neuroticism and introversion or extroversion are two things that get mixed up a lot, like with the shy and timid thing I was talking about. But anyways, I'll move on to an article I saw when I was looking up stuff for this episode. I saw an article that was kind of interesting because it was talking about, uh, the, you know, the ocean model and think and questioning its universality, like if it applies to everyone everywhere you know if it's un- if it's as universal as you know people think the same so uh, I'll, I'll link this article or link the url to this article in the instagram post on instagram mike penguin podcast and the title of this article new study throws into doubt the universality of the big five so basically what i just said I'll just read it out for you. Few psychology theories have as much support as the big five personality traits. The finding that people's personalities can be described by various variations across five basic dimensions. Openness to new experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, introversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. But new research with a small South American tribe has thrown the universality of the five-factor model into question. Now, according to a study published December 17th in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, a team of researchers administered a translated version of a Big Five personality inventory to 632 c members of a small tribe of hunter-gatherers in Bolivian lowlands. The researchers asked them to rate on a 1-to-5 scale how much words like aloof, reserved, and energetic describe their personalities. When researchers analyzed the results, they found that the traits did not cluster into the usual big five groups. For instance, a person who rates himself as reserved also tended to say he was talkative, suggesting that the overarching concept of extroversion doesn't hold up in this culture. Uh, that, like I said, I kind of talked on that, like someone who's like they said, someone who's reserved also would say they were talkative. Now, that's like someone who's reserved can be talkative. 
you know, if they t- if you talk about the right things to them. You know, so it's like they might it might seem like a, a clear contradiction, but not always. You know, like the extroversion, like they're saying the the having trouble like maybe uh, putting into context the concept of extroversion. Also, this is a whole different like tribe somewhere. Like they had to translate the words. They had to, you know. So maybe you know words can mean different things in different languages. And I'm not completely against the idea that, like, maybe some cultural differences or, you know, could contribute to differences in personality. Because that is what they're studying. It's, like, the difference in personality across cultures and to see if the the Big Five model is still consistent among those cultures. Someone who's reserved can still be talking. Like, I know, (laughs) I actually know, uh, uh, obviously I'm not going to name drop anyone. But I have a specific friend who, who's um. They they could definitely be qualified as an introvert. But they. They talk a lot, but it's like uh, it's almost like a nervous energy. Like you know when you you're you're, you're nervous and you just do things, to like kind of like like vent the nervousness, like how people fidget or some people do things and some people, like her thing their thing was like uh. They would talk, and it was it was weird because you'd you'd see this like <laughs> you'd see this pretty much introverted person, but when they were nervous, all they knew how to do was to relieve the nervousness they were feeling was to talk. So they would just talk and say things and do random things because that was the only way to vent their nervous energy. Not saying that's what's going on here, but you know, someone can be perceived as reserved and talkative and also they might be reserved to a wide group of people but there might be a few like two or three friends they have that are very talkative with they're very close with you know so it all it all really depends like sometimes traits like that can come up and seem contradictory but they're not you know necessarily but then again coming from Michael Gervin, PhD in anthropology, freshman at the University of California, Santa Barbara. In fact, only two clusters of correlated responses emerged from a factor analysis of the 40-item test, industriousness and a tendency to be pro-social. So let me read that again. In fact, only two clusters of correlated responses emerged from a factor analysis of the 40-item test, industriousness and a tendency to be pro-social. Okay, so... I'm I'm thinking industriousness is similar to conscientiousness and pro social is similar to extroversion. Yeah. So it, I guess I I'm not <laughs> spoilers, I've already read this whole article. But um the later they talk about how they think that this might this could possibly be because you know, let me just read it. I think I'll just read it because it's right it's literally right next. So, okay, the the PhD said, neither of these fact, two factors mapped onto the big five, says Gervin. says, the Tismain may have only two factors because there are only so many ways to be successful in that environment. Hunting and gathering or being a shaman, leader or sociable charmer capable of convincing friends to share their food, he says. So what they're saying is that industriousness, which correlates with... Co- 
conscientiousness and prosocial with correlates with extroversion. Um, those are the only traits that they found they could consistently identify and line up with the f big five model. Because and their theory behind this is that because those are the only those are the only traits that really matter in terms of success in this society. You know, so that's that's how the these people are successful is through uh, through being conscientious, like being a hunter or being or being a hunter or gatherer, then being pro social, which is like you know being uh, a leader or like you know someone everyone in the village knows or has a good good reputation or a good friend or those are the only ways to be successful in the village. So those are the only traits that appear, I guess, which. Which, um, I'm not, I think it's probably accurate that maybe those are why those factors are the, the only ones they can consistently find, but to, uh, to imply that those are the only factors that, I don't know, like, to, to say that those are the, to say that, like, the, the model doesn't work because those are the only ones they could find, like, and obviously they're not, they're not putting these ideas out as, like, um, like foolproof or like this is you know gospel truth but th these are just like you know their ideas as an article but i think that it might be harder to find those other traits and that could be for a, a very various amount of reasons like like the fact that it's a translated uh, to a different language the fact that they don't fully understand the culture as much or that maybe you know like perhaps introversion or agreeableness or stuff like that can, or openness can manifest itself differently in these cultures. Like, I'm sure there's people who are more open than, than others. Like, like I'm sure if you, you know, got a bunch of people together and said, oh, try this berry, there'd be some people who are open to like, oh, well, that's a new berry, let me try it. And there's some people who are like, I don't know about that. I, I don't want to try any new berry that some guy with a PhD from some other country is trying to give to me. You know, but like there's there's different ways. There may be different ways that these traits manifest themselves within the culture that uh, the scientists just weren't aware of. So I'll move on here. Um, the finding is surprising, given past research led by five-factor theorist Robert McRae, Ph.D., who found evidence supporting the five-factor personality model in more than 50 countries. Now that is that's a lot of countries. <laughs> Uh, Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, 2005. Perhaps the five factors failed to emerge in the Tsimain sample due to translation issues or the abstract nature of the questions, he says. Still, it's an important finding and could shed light on the evolution of personality. McCray adds, this is an admirable study with potentially important theoretical implications. So, yeah, that's... um. Yeah, that is it's very interesting. It's very interesting that perhaps, like the evolution of personality, like you know, like how does how does personality evolve over time? Like that is an interesting way to think about it because obviously, different times and different cultures and different ways of living required different different like emotional responses from people back in that day, like. So maybe people's personalities were changed by that. Like our personalities are honestly products of our day, of, of what we do and how we interact with each other. So 
it's like maybe it's not saying that uh maybe it's not so true that you know every er every age and era had these traits like manifested in the same obviously not in the same but maybe they're not maybe there's more to it or maybe they're different you know but like the guy like the McCray sir said it's an admirable study with potential and important theoretical implications so yeah i mean i think it'd be interesting to find out you know, maybe this became like a bill nye the science guy episode all of a sudden but um it's a psychology psychology is very interesting so if you want more of this just let me know uh, that is the end of the article that's the end of this episode i hope you enjoyed Hope you, maybe this will spark conversation between you and your friends. You'll be like, oh, this, uh, the ocean model. Do you know about the ocean? This would be, yeah, this is great for, I, this is a great icebreaker, guys. Honestly, this is a great, like, of all the things I've talked about in psychology, like, I'm, I'm obviously very into psychology, but, you know, there's, there's things I can talk about and people will just look at me like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But for some reason, they're like, the personality traits like, the ocean model always, like, people will get hooked on that. Like, that's the only thing I, about psychology that I can consistently talk about. And people are consistently intrigued and ask about, ask more. <laughs> and then, funny enough, people will ask me to, like, rate them on a scale. And I'm like, well, I don't even, I don't, like, I don't even know you that well. Like, I don't know your traits or whatever, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, this is, I mean, hey, if you... Maybe if you're, you know, a little low on the extroversion skill, you can learn the ocean model and be like, hey, guys, you know about this, this, and this? And then people will be like, oh, wow, it's really interesting. How do you know that? You can be like, oh, I found it's on this guy's podcast. He's really cool. You should check him out. You should follow his podcast and listen to him. So, you know, just a, just a thought, just an idea. But, uh, yeah, honestly, it's, it's a great conversation starter. Like, that, honestly, if I had nothing to talk about, I would talk about that because people... I guess, I guess people are always, like, perpetually trying to figure out who they are, in a way. Or they're interested to see, like, parts of themselves or learn more about themselves that they may have not known before. Or trying to, like, confirm that they know themselves. So, personality is always something that people are really interested in, regardless of context. They're just like, oh, yeah, person. oh, yeah, let me... I think that's why personality traits in general, or tests in general, are so popular. Just because people are always kind of trying to find themselves, or 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 confirm that they know themselves. Like it, it's either like, oh, let me take this test to see if like to see who I am, in a way, or or it's either like, let me take this test to see if I know myself well enough. You know, which is kind of weird when you think about it, because like, I don't know, like like he like okay, in the article he says. Yeah, due to translation issues or the abstract nature of the questions. Like, I feel like that can be true in English as well. Like, with other personality tests where like, it's like, oh, do you do this or do you do that? And it's like, you may say yes or no, but you might not mean it in the way that they're asking the questions. Like, even though it's the same language, you can ask the same question and and and, and give the same answer and mean mean different things just because of the nature of language and how how, like, complex language is itself. So, yeah, I mean, that's science, guys, science. Anyways, I uh, hope you all enjoyed. Uh, I don't know how to end. I need an outro. I really need an outro. Give me suggestions for an outro if you want. Uh, goodbye. Have a good day. Good. Have Bye.